0: I gotta move my body. Oh God, that feels good. That feels really good. And you wanna know what feels best? Knowing that you will never, ever, ever get inside my pussy, ever. Even as my pussy gets wet, I'm thinking about you giving me everything, every single thing you have, your house, your car, your money, your dignity, your self-respect, and that tiny little penis of a dick that you have. And whatever cum is inside of it, you give it to me and I can do whatever I want with it. Do you understand? Do you fucking understand? Good.
1: I'm an insane sexual Shadow Witch and my name is Lacey Free and I'm the fucking host of HorrorPod. Welcome to HorrorPod. Today, we have an extra special juicy guest. Hi, sweet guest.
0: Tell us who you are. Hi, sweet Lacey. Um, (laughs) My name is Natalie. I also go by Mala. Uh, Who am I? I am a mother of two. I'm a dancer. I'm an ex-stripper, or I'm not going to say ex because a bitch can always come out of retirement. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a sensual movement teacher, and I'm a pro-dominatrix, and I like to roller skate.
1: You just gave me a flashback to when I worked at the club, and we had special events all the time, but once a year, we'd have a day where the, the former strippers could come out of retirement and like really old strippers would get up oh and God. dance. And the girls would be excited. The club would be excited. And there was one time a lady came up with gray hair.
0: She was oh wearing God. like
1: a gray wig and a walker. Uh, And like, and she's like in her fifties, you know, but she like came up in a walker and then like threw the walker and got up on the pole and did the splits with the walker. Oh my god, (laughs) so badass!
0: Oh my god, you're making me want to fly out there just for that day.
1: (laughs) It's so fun.
0: Uh, That's amazing.
1: I would be lying
0: if I said I didn't
1: miss that lifestyle sometimes and how addicted, addictive the chaos of it all can be mm-hmm. and how fun and just there's a sense of trauma bonding constantly mm-hmm. in that environment but then there's a sense of because you're all sort of living on the outskirts and breaking rules anyways, you can
0: totally,
1: freely be
0: you. And I ache for that in life. God, I feel you. First of all, trauma bonding is my favorite kind of bonding. (laughs) (laughs) But second of all, yeah, it's like when there's no pretense, when absolutely nobody respects you, then you're free. You know, when you're not expected to be respectable, you've just kind of like, broken free of that particular matrix yeah that's such a good
1: such a good point that so many of us strive to be respected and then that Mm. striving to be liked and respected we become so caged but that there's all like and we all have this huge fear of rejection or of non-acceptance it, but when that happens, freedom happens. Mm. Sometimes that taste of loneliness helps wake up the God in us. Oh, God, and I am so thankful for the loneliness and the darkness I experienced this winter, oh. because I am more free coming out of this dark tunnel. But you said
0: trauma bonding is your favorite. Tell us why. <laughs> I mean, it's the one that I've experienced the most. <laughs> and I think specifically the kind of bar- bonding folks who exist in specific marginalized spaces do with each other. There's a shared language, there's a shared knowledge, and there's a shared language of survival. So in my case, I'm thinking about strippers, sex workers. Um, But in any really marginalized place, any place that you don't have access to societal power structures that help support you, you have this like wealth of genius. Um, And so maybe it's not trauma bonding, but it's some kind of bonding where you can look someone in the eye and know that you both know exactly what you're, you both share an experience and you don't have to speak it to each other sometimes it's unsafe to have to exchange words but there's like a deep knowing
1: i think we just see trauma bonding as something that's negative but i've been thinking a lot about what i always think about which is the mystery of us as higher dimensional beings Mm. choosing to live in this 3d reality And every time I ask my guides recently, I'm like, why are we doing this? And my guides Mm. are just like to experience trauma, that we all came here to experience trauma on a certain level. And by healing that trauma within our own bodies, we bring healing to the trauma of the earth and the collective and the lives before us. And healing that trauma is the true ascension. In my Mm. opinion, in my my guide's opinion, my guide showed me that everyone has experienced extreme trauma just by existing in this place
0: Mm. and that
1: we're all here working on healing it, even if it doesn't look like we're healing it to our neighbor or to the person down the street. What what heals our trauma is not necessarily what we've been taught. Sometimes we heal our trauma through re-experiencing trauma. And that's where I think what you do is really interesting because sometimes you work with other people's sexual trauma and sort of re-traumatize them through their request, through their consent. Tell us about that.
0: Mm. I'm resonating with everything that you said, first of all. And second of all, this question couldn't be more apt because I've domed for years, but I'm always learning something. And recently I've had a host of clients who want specifically psychological manipulation, extreme cruelty, extreme humiliation. And they oftentimes have very big stories that pull on my heartstrings. very big stories of trauma that happened to them that impacted them in such a way that now they are fixated. They're like in that moment and they're sexualizing their own shame. Um, so to like take it from the abstract, I'll just talk about my one client who's going to remain nameless, who I'm going very, very deep with, um, who lived a somewhat vanilla life, had a very traumatizing relationship that turned him as he would say, into a cuckold, into someone who wants to be um, humiliated for the size of his penis, and also wants um, to be humiliated for being sexually assaulted. It's heavy shit. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'm I'm both interacting with this client as a dominatrix but also coming in with my whole self and my my sweet self myself that doesn't want to do harm and wants to you know gives lots of fucks about people and um it came in one day that what i was doing as a dom is being a channel for divine cruelty and that sentence came into my head and i would and i've just had to sit with it ever since because it brings up so many questions like what makes this cruelty divine is cruelty divine if cruelty is divine I have to break down the binary of like good and evil healthy and not healthy um and it kind of links into what you're saying about what your guides are telling you that we're here to experience trauma that sometimes pain is is something that's necessary and elevating us, elevating the collective, you know. Um, so, all of my thoughts about this are very, very much still happening, um, but at risk of like going on too far. That's kind of the jumping-off point as I as I go deeper into mm-hmm. these like psychological manipulations with folks where I'm saying very mean things, the meanest thing. I'm trying to figure out the the thing that hurts them the most, and I'm going to say it to them. So and then I'm going to make them come to it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in a sense, the meaner you get, the more it turns the other person on.
0: Yes, with these particular people, and I think one of the th- it's precise, right? I'm not just going to be mean to everybody. That wouldn't work for me (laughs) because not everybody wants it. But with these particular people who are like, I have a humiliation kink and this is what it's about. Um, Once I get those like indicators of consent, it's about figuring out the meanest thing to say and then going a step further, going inside their pain and poking at it and prodding at it. And like, I'm gonna be real, I'm not college educated. I've been a sex worker for 14 years. Like I am learning these things as I do them. I'm not a psychological professional, um, but I do hold very, very sacred containers and I'm, I'm smart, you know? Um, but as I'm doing this, it's like going inside someone's psyche and poking around. And I don't know the end point. You know, even as I say some of these things, I'm like, holy shit, I can't believe I'm saying this. Like, this is so mean. This is so mean. I'll have my little observer inside of it. But it's really a surrendering to the person who's coming to me saying this is the experience you asked for. I trust you and I trust your soul that this is the experience you need. And in that way, it feels like a deep honoring, you know. You
1: mentioned you're not college educated, but you are highly intelligent and a deep healer. And I know that from conversations we've had previously, we did a Patreon together, which I loved. And that's how come I invited you on today, because you have a beautiful way of looking at things and... It's, it's weird when I say that we came here to experience trauma, because I also want to be clear, that doesn't mean we have to live in a state of constant trauma. But there might be a period of time where we loop or cycle through our traumas to sort of peel the onion layers to get to the core of our being. But, but all these onion layers or are, are sort of layers of our trauma experience and even if we don't have trauma directly in our physical form so many of us are carrying trauma from our mother's wombs or carrying trauma from the pain of the hands of our father or we see that our father was not loved or our father didn't have a lot of friends and we internalize his trauma in our body even if our father was like fine to us So we all have these different levels of trauma. And I think we came here to experience them and break out of them. And once we break out of it, I think we step into the dimension of being a healer for the earth and the collective. Mm. And and. I think so much of who we are and our creative energy is tied into who we are sexually. So our trauma shows up in our sexual experiences. When someone is is wanting to be humiliated and you're doing sort of the humiliation work, do you ever feel like you're traumatizing yourself by getting cruel or being mean in that moment?
0: Yes, that's a good question. That's a good question. I mean, yes. Yeah, I think that because sex work, all the different kinds of sex work for me is about being a channel, you know, and then afterwards doing all the work that's necessary to get to back to my true self, um, which I think is probably similar to what you do and what a lot of different healers do. Um, but yeah, sometimes I'll observe myself, especially because I've had an onslaught of people who want to be traumatized. So I'm doing it more, you know, and there will be moments where my little senses will be like, not even my senses, but just my brain will be like, bitch, I can't believe you're saying this right now. I can't believe you're saying that you're going to, I actually won't say it because it's probably a trigger warning, but just like the meanest, foulest, most violent thing describing it in detail and then performing like I love it like that's the thing that needs to happen that that's God's will because this person is just so small and pathetic so there is a degree of like I'm still learning I'm still learning if it's sustainable for me I'm still learning how to make it sustainable for me I'm also um learning constantly and consistently, what practices I need as I work, how much work I need to devote to getting back to baseline. And it's different. When I'm working a lot, I'm sometimes dealing with multiple people, orgasming a day. I'm dealing with body fluids. I'm dealing with a lot of shadow realms. Um, this month, in my dreams, an entity came to me, a very cruel entity. And um, I don't know if y'all get these dreams, but I'll get dreams where I go to a place that I know is a real place or I'll go inside someone's real brain um, and see crimes that they're doing. Um, This has happened to me twice already and then I've like woken up and read in the news that this crime was (laughs) getting done and I was inside the person's brain. It's not the most fun thing that's ever happened to me. I'll tell you that.
1: (laughs) Do you know the person ahead of time or is it just
0: random people that you're psychically connected to? One time I was like burning an apartment complex down and I was sleeping next to my baby father at the time. And I kept waking up and being like, I'm in this dream, you know, and folks in my life know that I dream a lot, like help pull me out of this dream. Like maybe talking to you will pull me out of this dream. And I returned to the dream three times. And in my head, I was like looking at all four corners of the apartment and burning it down. And I woke up being like, that's so weird. That was an intense night. And then I read in the newspaper that an arsonist had burned down an apartment building two blocks away from us. So in that time, it was like location. Um, And I was like, I'm not crazy, right? Like I told you about this dream. And he was like, yep, you told me about the dream. And then the second time, it was also really, really fucked up. It was like a sex worker that got murdered. And I, I found out later that it was a stripper. And I saw the guy's face in my dream. And then I saw it in real life um, on the Instagram. <laughs> uh, and that was also not fun. But I like took the time to really pour out water for her for nine days and pray for her for nine days. And I don't really know what to do with it. But so this third time, an entity came to me and it was like campaigning, you know, it was like, see me. And it was, um, it was a serial killer. And I think a lot of times when people do a lot of violent acts, they're, they're also interacting with entities. They're like the nutritive soil and then entities come in and there's like a, a symbiotic relationship there. And I pray that this was not something real that happened, but it was very graphic. I could tell that it wasn't from my own brain. Um, and I woke up and I in the middle of the night I had to clean my house and get real with myself about this per this entity thinks it can be seen by you because you're um my understanding, who knows if this was real, but like you're performing a lot of cruelty. Uh and so this entity is also like a you know, an entity that thrives in cruelty and it thinks that you guys might be a match. Um, So that told me that once again, I need to up my spiritual practices, seal the container better. Um, I thought it was interesting that the entity was campaigning to me because I felt really good about my sessions. I felt like I was working with people I liked working with. They were very able to communicate what they needed I was able to give what they needed. We were able to talk about it afterward. Everybody felt great about it. Um, So I don't see the entity coming to me as some kind of failure or some kind of indicator that I'm doing the wrong thing. Probably 10 years ago, I would have seen it as that, but I, I I think that that's more like puritanical thinking. But I do think that doing this work has helped me, think about entities in a different way from a non-binary place and just recognize that things exist like low vibrational high vibrational however we want to quantify it they exist and like uh they exist period (laughs) and then we also exist and we decide if we want to coexist what we want to coexist with you know
1: Yeah. Um, So a lot was coming up for me as you were saying Mm. that. Um, And I was tapping into your energy a little bit. So I'm going to kind of do what I do when I read energy. But you um, don't have to take this as truth or as gospel. Like you only keep what resonates with you. Mm. But what was coming up for me as you were explaining this is I think you're deeply a spiritual healer. And I think you do sexual healing that sometimes looks like cruelty um, because that's what gets people off. But you are not the originator of the cruelty. You are not creating the cruelty. They're coming to you with sometimes even a specific script that they want you to say. And I'm not saying you don't put some of your own sacred rage and energy there. You definitely do. And that seems to be healing for your rage as well and your past trauma. Mm -hmm. So I think there's an element of this where, yeah, it could hurt you, but also it could be healing for you. Mm -hmm. But what I see is, is that they're coming for cruelty play because they've had extreme trauma as a younger or former self. Where there was organic cruelty. Mm. The reason I said organic is just cruelty that came up in their lives without asking for it. And you're actually neutralizing some of that cruelty through sexual energy by being cruel. But if you were to come and just be nice and give them compliments and be like, no, your dick is the perfect size. You're so lovable. You know, you know what happens when you tell a a kid who's been abused that they're lovable or 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 me in my 30s when I feel disgusting and unwanted and someone just says, love yourself or, you know, it's okay, Lacey. You're wanted, people like you. That doesn't, that makes us feel worse. It actually invokes my anger because that's not the language I'm used to conversating in. And I remember I was doing martial arts training for a while, which I think was really healing for some of my trauma. And in the martial arts training, the the sensei, the teacher, was telling us that when you're working with kids who come from trauma in their households to never be like, oh, you're doing a great job. You're doing good. You're doing good. Because that doesn't feel real to them. And they just start classifying you as another fake adult. But he said, build up to that and start telling them that wasn't bad. You're not bad. Because they're automatically so hard on themselves because they have that inner critic in them all the fucking time. When you grow up with someone yelling at you, that voice doesn't disappear once that timeline disappears. That voice stays in your head and becomes your voice. So then we have these like teenagers guys who are training in martial arts but that constantly felt like they were bad you know like oh I fucked up I should have dodged I should have done this and you could just see them beating themselves up while they were trying to get into their body but by telling them you're not bad or that wasn't bad it starts to like oh okay like you're starting to speak
0: their language because they're constantly telling themselves they're bad mm-hmm I'm so happy you just told me that right now. I'm like that, just like dung alarm bells inside of me. So thank you. Yeah. So I can see like
1: in someone who has these hidden fantasies of being told that they have a small dick or that they're unattractive, or that they're a piece of shit. Well, they're constantly telling themselves that all the time. Mm. And they can't say that out loud. They can't say that in the world. So then they don't feel seen or heard, because that's the truth playing in their head, right? Mm. So then when you start speaking that language, even though to you that doesn't necessarily feel healthy, maybe, or it feels like you're being mean, But to them, that might be the most intimate experience they could grasp because for the first time, someone's language is matching the language they hear in their head, which makes them feel
0: more visible and more seen. Mm. For real, you just nailed it. (laughs) You just nailed it.
1: And then on an entity level, I could see... I think these entities are coming to you in your dreams these entities are coming to you in the astral realm because you are a healer of humiliation. You're a healer of cruelty. So these, these entities, I don't even see entities as all bad. I don't think anything is just good or bad. And I think if these entities are showing up to you, and not that you have to do this and it's not your responsibility, and I could be totally wrong and I could be nuts just telling everyone, take what I say with a grain of salt. I'm just kind of going off here. But I think these entities are coming to you because they're asking for you to neutralize the cruelty, the way you do in these sexual situations. Mm. By energetically, you're energetically bringing healing to the environment, even if the apartment still gets burned down. I think something about your energy, just even knowing about it, you're bringing healing there. And there's ritual you can do before bed to protect yourself more if you don't want
0: to energetically be pulled to those places? Whew. You just dropped so much. I don't <laughs> even know where to start, but with the entity thing. So in the arsonist, the pri- the primary thing I was feeling was was fear and just like panic as I burned this house down. And then in the last one, the primary thing I was feeling was a desire at me as the, the perpetrator of harm inside of the dream. The predominant thing I was feeling was a desire for something that I didn't feel like I had permission to desire. Um, and so like, I'm not saying those things to create meaning out of it, but when you said that like I'm witnessing the entities, um, the people that I've heard speak that do depossession work and work with entities, the ones that I find most powerful are the ones that are able to allow evil to have nuance, you know, are allowed, allow the stories to be told, even though even if they're the most horrific stories. Because folks can get stuck in a loop. Even spirits, even non-human folks can get stuck in a loop. Um and they're never able to finish the story, you know, um, they're never able to like, to, to get out of the loop and make it a ladder. And I find that with the clients I like to work with the most, I can feel inside of them that there's like, there's some kind of ladder in this loop. Um, I know my work as a dom is not putting, not pretending like I know what health looks like for them or healing. Um, I really have to constantly remind myself of that and when you were talking about um them having like folks having this this self-humiliating all the time that they can actually find intimacy and in being humiliated by another person I think that that's really true and oftentimes in my humiliation sessions I find myself feeling so much love even though the words coming out of my mouth are, the meanest words, I find myself feeling so much love and recognizing that even if, that I have to abandon all my thoughts about what I hope for this person. Oh, I hope they heal, quote unquote. Oh, I hope they understand their own worthiness. I hope, because I don't even know what that looks like. I can barely know what that looks like for myself. But my hope is that they find a level of connection and joy and peace in that moment. And so even if so they're so beautiful, thank you. And so even if 20 years from now, 30 years from now, they want humiliation because they think they have a small dick, but they are receiving peace and joy and like a sense of belonging, a sense of connection, whatever those, those force fields, those like very generative force fields are, it almost doesn't matter what the external looks like. I don't need to convince this guy who thinks he has a small dick that he has not a small dick like that's the least of it you know what I mean I have to let him know that there's a place for him that I see him that I value him and maybe my value of him is devaluing him you know Um, yeah I mean I think he's a
1: good healer
0: in the way that you
1: don't pathologize you don't pretend to be their doctor you show up authentically and allow people to be themselves. And then the healing naturally occurs. And that is the greatest way. As a Virgo sun and rising, I'm deeply analytical. I love to pathologize. But I don't think that that's the the way or mm. the most healing way. Because we're all here. We're all on the same level. And we're all each other trying to figure it out. Mm. I feel you. Do you feel like um, there's more people looking for humiliation
0: now? Like, are you getting more of these clients? Huh? It's hard to say because I feel like my little 22-year-old self, when I started doming, I thought I knew it all. I was like, oh, he wants to get kicked in the balls because of this, that, and the other. And this person likes granny panties because of this, that, and the other, you know? Um, and so I probably wasn't doing the deep work of sacred humiliation. I'm just going to put sacred on top of everything I do. <laughs> um, I probably wasn't really understanding understanding humiliation. And so now that I'm taking myself much more seriously as a dom, branding, figuring out what things I like to do, what things I don't like to do, there's been something about like the humiliation folks coming in And I sat with it for a second because I was like, wow, like sexualize your own shame, sexualize your own self-loathing, sexualize your own inadequacy. Am I brave enough to do that? Probably not. You know what I mean? And I don't know that experience, but there's got to be some alchemy in it. Right? Yeah." my shame is my shame it is fixed it's hard it's calcified it is my shame it's my spot that i don't want to touch you know it's my thing that i'm afraid of someone figuring out about me and so like i who knows you know what i mean who knows what would happen if i could really get to a place where i was like i'ma fuck with this a little i'ma sexualize this a little bit you know what i mean um So folks that want humiliation, I don't know if that's a conscious thing they're doing. I think any state we can get fixed in and kind of stuck on a loop with. So I'm sure folks are sometimes feel stuck on a loop with their own humiliation. But my most recent client, I was like, I say very mean things to him, but he's expressed to me that one of the things he needs is aftercare. So I spend a lot of time with aftercare. He gets really... Scared I'm going to leave him afterwards, and I told him you can always ask me as many times as you want. Are you going to be here? And I'll say yes. And it's an, and it's because we are in a very explicit financial agreement that says I'll be there. I don't do this shit for free. But um, <laughs> but um, allowing space for him to have to receive softness and love, um, and hear the good things about him. Oftentimes I can only put those things in after I've completely desecrated him, made him cry, you know? Um, that's the only time I can sprinkle them in. And it's just like a little sprinkling. Like you can't be too heavy handed with that or else it'll get lost. Um And like you were saying, if he came to me and I was like, oh, well, you're a really nice guy. And like, you should try, you should try to make it happen. You should try to receive real love like you have plenty of things to offer that would be the last time he ever called me <laughs> like that is not what he's looking for at all because it feels empty
1: when <clears throat> when someone is telling you words that don't match up with how you see yourself it feels fucking empty it feels not real <clears throat> I don't know. I don't like the fake energy of gassing people up or love bombing. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, I really resonate with this energy of like cruelty or humiliation. And I feel more powerful sexually when I can go to my darker fantasies, when I can like play with my biggest fear in the bedroom it's, it's the wildest sex for me because it makes it less scary. Mm-hmm. It gives the fear less power when you're in a consenting, trusting dynamic. I also think I should point out that I don't want to claim that sex work is the thing everyone should be doing, or that humiliation sex is the thing everyone should be doing. Because I know that there is an energy that we just get addicted to the humiliation sex. And we can get addicted to it based on hormones of being stressed out and having our cortisol levels rise and our adrenals rise. So then we're just like more addicted. So I think like everything, it's this crazy balance. And we're not supposed... Just because we came here to experience trauma, I don't think that means we're supposed to forever loop on the trauma. I think we came here to experience a lot of joy and fun and excitement.
0: Um, I started sex work as like a super sexually traumatized person. And I probably my... Um, My inner self knew that this was my path, Um, but I was not, I was a pretty like, I didn't have a lot of like space uh, or safety to explore my own sexuality. So kind of like reverse engineering it and creating boundaries and transactions where I could talk about sex, see other people's sexuality, realize how to perform sexiness, um... And and uh, guard myself. That was a way that I could finally access like the deeper tendrils of myself. Ways that I have found work for me personally is a lot of breath and a lot of movement and time. Like I don't think I would I don't think I would be in my sexual body if I didn't spend time inside of it. I'm a dance teacher um, and I work with mostly. Um, femme people, um, and I created a studio because I I thought about the movements I did as a stripper, and stripper movements. You see pole dancing. You see pole dancing on Instagram, and it's like highly acrobatic. Stripper movements are both acrobatic, but they are also generated by working people, by people working a night shift, by people with kids, by people who are tired, and so so they are very deeply, deeply deeply sexual movements that are also um, easeful. It's less that you're watching a choreographed dance and it's more that you are going into this magical realm where everybody is just in their second chakra and their walking is art. And so I really wanted to teach those styles to people because they are one, easy on the body, they're intuitive and they also like unlock these lost postures in the body that we are told when we walk out of the door as as femmes that like will receive violence for existing in those ways so for me inside a, a femme body like moving in ways that are they're not workouts it's not aerobic it's literally like maybe just being in child's pose and arching my back and moving and breathing Gets my juices flowing. I know it sounds kind of simple, but. And I think we
1: talked about this on the Patreon episode we did together, but I loved, love the idea of the, the minute movements that mm-hmm. make such a huge difference. And I never realized that until I worked in the club and seeing how girls, it felt like they would go, like you said, deep into the second Chakra, but I felt like I almost saw them like swallowing part of themselves and putting themselves in their stomach in their womb space and like moving gently from this energy of the womb space Mm. in sort of um circular rotations that were really sexy and gorgeous and they were like moving their hips but it was coming from this center power of the second chakra and I witnessed the strippers doing that and then I started bringing that into my own sexual life and my sex changed drastically I was like oh I thought I had to like be Like make big movements in bed to make it better, you know, and it's Uh actually those like internal and it's like this internal clenching that we do inside where we like if we're having sex with a penis, we're like clenching, we're getting tighter around the penis. Or stronger, not tighter. I learned that last summer. We're strong. We don't want to be tight. Mm -hmm. Tight is not expansive energy. When we're tight, we shrink. Mm. And when we expand, we open up all of our chakras to make us stronger. When we expand, we allow more space for abundance or whatever else we're trying to attract. But when doing these like minor movements, I could just feel the
0: difference instantly. You're right. I mean, anybody who's ever spent any time in strip clubs will know that. I think we talked about this on the Patreon, but like all the movement is good, but when you are so in tuned with her that you can see when she takes a breath and arches her back like that, that deep like it's almost like yin core it's so powerful and it's an actual I believe like an actual force field that you can generate around yourself that you can access that like patriarchy and capitalism and hustle culture and just the trauma of living on this earth has not allowed us the space to feel I mean and even I've been allowed the space to feel it because I started doing it for money (laughs) you know like it's we We only have so much time and capitalism really demands a lot of our time. Um, But yeah, I think that like that level of like uh, presence is really something.
1: Eye contact Mm. is so huge too. And it can be like, you can, we can really have sex with each other through our eyes Mm. and we can bring sexual healing to each other just through staring in each other's eyes during sex before sex after sex sometimes people will be like I can't orgasm with my partner or I don't like having sex with my partner In my first question is when have you guys just stared into each other's eyes it sounds so boring and we live in a world full of screens and high stimulus but like really just doing that is so fucking intimate Mm -hmm. and -hmm. we desperately need it Uh You you were talking earlier about Your astral experiences. And that's pretty fucking wild. Do you have any other experiences where you feel like you go into these
0: bodies? Okay, that actually, like what you were saying, made me want to bring something up, which is that the eye contact is amazing. It takes so much. I remember when I was dancing and when I started getting good, which was a while from when I started. That's the other thing is like, self-forgiveness and not being afraid to make an ass out of yourself. Like with all the depth that sexuality has, there's a lot of levity in it. There's a lot of like sacred clown energy, (laughs) like pretty much every embarrassing thing that could ever happen to anybody has happened to me on stage naked. Um, Like there's something that just comes through that. Um, But I was thinking about the eye contact and I was thinking if that feels too hard or boring to do with a partner or you don't have a partner, like try it on in the grocery store. Try just like making eye contact with folks. (laughs) Um, You know, for me, when I started dancing and making eye contact, like you said, those were the MVPs. That was the varsity of strippers is like folks who could make, make eye contact and then play with that. I think the other thing I learned and I'm learning is that I don't also have to be me all the time. Like I, who knows who I am? First of all, I'm only the things that I acknowledge that I am. So there's a whole shadow self that's walking around with me that I probably don't name or don't want to name. So first of all, I don't even know all that I am, but second of all, like we don't always have to be ourselves um, in In BDSM, (laughs) there is role play. But for me, I remember, you know, years ago, like I was feeling kind of stuck personally in my sex life and not stuck, but like fixated on someone who didn't love me. Let's let's be honest about what was happening. I was like into a fuck boy and he didn't love me. (laughs) And my my. my... And my spiritual advisor, and I was also like incredibly traumatized, you know, and like sex had all these sharp edges for me. It had all these like weird things, even though it didn't feel sharp at that point. There were all these ways I felt insecure, that I'd feel rejected, that I was looking for affirmation. I was bringing a lot to this very, very young man who just wanted to get his dick wet. And um, my spiritual advisor told me like, don't be you in just play one time with not being you with being a deity instead with being a sex deity think about her and just give that sex to her like you don't have to always be you um you can be other people um you can be other energies you can be whatever you want to be and that like loosening of my self-concept really helped a lot and still helps you know I have all these aliases like who I am as a dom is like kind of the opposite of who I'm comfortable presenting in my real life. And we can all have that. Like we all were kids, you know, we've all played, we all have mad imaginations that we just, you know, haven't seen. Fucking brilliant.
1: (laughs) Fucking brilliant. And you just said it, like I've been feeling this and you said it. Mm -hmm. So I think the matrix in capitalism teaches us to get so hooked on our identity and that our identity is so deeply rooted in who we are in our work our capitalist job title if you go to a party people are like what do you do for a living you know and it's like right away that's your identity and then we just kind of drive ourselves into it some sort of psychosis by trying to remain this identity throughout our existence mm. when really we came here to experience so many different forms of emotion and of adventure and of joy and of trauma. And I think like I've had so many different careers in my life where I'm realizing now that they're not actually jobs. They're not actually careers. It's not about getting paid. It's because I'm a witch and a healer. And I get to step into these other roles and play pretend at these jobs to sort of bring healing or neutralizing. Or sometimes to start a fucking fire and to be a destroyer in there. Um, not a literal fire, but like an emotion. I'm good at starting emotional fires or I have been in my past. And those emotional fires can uproot some drama that eventually brings healing. Mm. I think that in destination is healing, is resolve, but I could be wrong
0: too. I tend to but, think that as well. Like, I tend to think that there's like a harmony, that like yeah. things are always trying to reach towards some kind of harmony, you know?
1: Yeah, and sometimes we create the dissonance to find the harmony. Yeah. Like we have to play with the dissonance in music to find the harmony. Yeah. To find the resonance. And, but I love what you're saying about people play pretending because our old world's burning down has been for quite a while. And now it's time for us to fucking play pretend the roles in which we could be or who we want to be. And having different outlets for different emotions or even different characters is the way of a creative. It's working with a muse. And I see you as sort of an artist also. When you go into the dom energy, that is its own muse, its own deity. And you can create from that space, but you can also exude and implode and get some of your own shit out in that space. And perhaps come home and be a more loving friend or mother or, you know, the softer, gentler sides of you.
0: Mm.
1: I've been working out in a gym recently, which is so weird for me because I think they're, like, overstimulating and not how our bodies are, like, meant to work out necessarily. Like, fluorescent lights. Men. <laughs> like, I'm used to just like doing yoga with women, you know, or just like walking around or just tapping into my own body. But for some reason I'm like jimming it up lately. And yesterday I was, I was working out and there was a basketball court below me and there was this man screaming, like he was just Ah, every time, I don't know what was happening in the fucking basketball game, but he just kept grunting and screaming and throwing the ball and then like just making crazy noises. And I was like deep into my own core workout and I just kept getting so mad. I just wanted to be like, shut the fuck up and throw a basketball at him. <laughs> and then I was like lacy. Why are you so mad right now? Why is this man irritating you so much for expressing? Like, this is probably like so healthy for him to just come play basketball with other dudes and like fucking let it out of his throat chakra. Why is that irritating you so bad, Lacey? What's going on inside of you that this person minding their own business being very loud doing it? Why is that bothering you? And I had to sit with myself for a second at the gym and I was like, oh, I'm I'm really jealous right now. I am really jealous because I actually want to be screaming like that, but I feel like I can't. And that can't, I don't think is real. I could probably have just <laughs> gone downstairs and played basketball with those guys if I would have asked and grunted and screamed along with them, but I didn't want to do that. You know, but, That doesn't go with my identity. That doesn't go with the role that I play in this life I walk in. I don't go play basketball with random dudes. I was doing yoga in the corner of this gym. And yeah, then it just hit me like sometimes when we're projecting, it's out of jealousy of not feeling safe enough to express ourselves.
0: Oh. I resonate so much with that story. And I was following you and I was like, oh, well, she feels mad because like what what he's doing for him counteracts what you need. I here I was like telling myself the story of what you were feeling, but counteracts what you need as someone who does not particularly like the set the sound of men screaming, <laughs> you know, um, that there's like a direct intersection, but I didn't put it together that it was jealousy, but I was putting together that there's like there's a power imbalance, right? Because this place is safe for for men to grunt. And it's like, there's not those same spaces carved out. Um, but I like the way you took self-responsibility too. And kind of like, because I was just throwing throwing my hands down and being like, well, the world is how it is. And like, men have spaces <laughs> and women don't. And that's that. And like, I can see where that that is kind of like fixed in my head, you know, where you were like, no, I probably could have gone played basketball with them like the world wouldn't have ended the world wouldn't even have ended if you screamed right there like people would yeah you know? they would think I'm weird you know and
1: breaking news folks I'm fucking weird so uh-huh. that would have been the truth uh-huh. but sometimes in life I like to hide I do like to be quiet I do like to be smaller especially if I'm working out or getting in my body I don't want to be seen I don't want right. you to look at me but I would be lying if I didn't say, like, when we go a long time without exercising or without being in our body, that's when our anger stores up in ourselves. Mm. That's when our grief stores up in ourselves. And just knowing, just knowing my own body and what happens when I get fat, there's for me a hundred percent, there's stagnant emotion. The mm. fatter I am, there's more static emotion. I'm not saying that to everyone like some people have different body types and different ways of expressing in their bodies, but even though I'm an expressive person, there's still so much buried in here. There's still so much buried in here. And it it's buried comfortably in fat cells. So when I do like saunas or I'm sweating or I'm getting a lot of sun or a lot of dance or hard cardio workouts, I can feel these layers of pain kind of dripping off me. And then we're taught to look normal going back to what you said about like the identity stuff. We're taught we're this identity. How does Lacey respond in a gym? Well, she doesn't show emotion. She's really quiet. She doesn't work out on machines too close to another person because we don't want to touch. She, you know, when I walk or run, I run inside the trail lines to not disturb anyone. I don't throw basketballs on the gym wall and scream. It's not part of who I've made up for myself in this avatar. And then to hear someone who gets to, I'm so fucking jealous. But who is really stopping me from that? I am and like societal pressure of how we view women. But I bet if I were to guess, those dudes would be like, yeah, you could play with us. And we would. they would probably have laughed at me slash with me if I started screaming like they were. And it would have been okay, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, oh my God. <laughs> I'm just getting so much out of this story right now. You're like telling me the thing I need to do too. Which it's like the thing that we need to do sexually is not that different from the thing we need to do everywhere, which is like be open and... um be with our actual true selves. Like that was a moment of your true self being like, oh, I got something in me to like <laughs> throw a throw a basketball against a wall about, <laughs> you know, or like that just that sounds like that could be fun in that moment. Um like the same like going through the pain of sexuality or like the how actually settling into our true selves sexually is the same as settling into our true selves in every way. And randomly, as you were telling me that story, I was like remembering something I learned on the Tim Ferriss podcast. He's kind of like a life hack bro. <laughs> um, but I'm going to say that I listened to it without shame. I'm not going to have shame here. It's a shame free space. I'm doing some work within like stoicism. I don't even know much about what stoicism is, but he was really challenging himself to like do weird different things and he said one of the things that he was trying to do every day was like go into a room a coffee shop or like an airport or just some place where people are like mingling around and just lie on the floor for 3 minutes like a very <laughs> non <laughs> just like a very non violent like he's not yelling or screaming or disturbing anybody but folks would definitely be like What the fuck is this guy doing lying on the floor of the Starbucks, you know, and then like getting up and leaving and seeing how did that make him feel like it wasn't like I do not want to lie on the floor in the middle of a Pete's coffee right now. That doesn't (laughs) sound fun to me, you know, but I bet after I did it enough, I would be like, oh, wow, the world didn't end just now. Like folks looked at me as if I was weird, like walking around with like a big stain on your shirt for a day being like, yep. (laughs) Wow,
1: wow. I just had like a little aha download moment when you were explaining that. And it's because we're all stuffed into these identities, right? And then when someone lays down on a coffee shop lays down on the floor, that breaks us all of our out of our identity, like, out of the roles we're being playing in the simulation, in the matrix. And it's almost like stepping out of our identity, stepping out of our roles breaks the matrix for a second and
0: makes all of us a little more free. For real. We should both do that and you should do it first. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, tell me like so, how it goes. <laughs> I like it so Horror Pod challenge, stealing it from the Tim Ferris show. <laughs> let's all go lay on a floor at a coffee shop. You talked about having different identities and aliases. What are some of those different identities or aliases that you work with in sex magic?
0: I was Ursula for a long time or for, for the time that I was a dom. Then I was tiger lily Um those are the two that really stuck. And then I tried to be Bianca for a second when I first started doming and it didn't work at all. I was not a Bianca, but I'm a, I'll tell you my first name. I won't tell you my last one. Um, but, but energies, like in terms of avatars, sometimes I'll call in Tiger Lily. Sometimes I'll call in Gia. Sometimes I'll call in Ursula cause she was scrappy. She didn't know what the fuck she was doing. She was very scrappy. Um, and De- deities I like to work with are the Virgin Sita, like Guadalupe, um, Oshun, the Pombajira. Um, but different ones will come up, the energy of bears, the energy of um, bees, different colors. It just kind of depends, but I'll definitely like call folks in. Um, sometimes there's this like big scary man that I turn into if I need to, if I need to not look the way I look. I'll turn into like, just a, just kind of like a bouncer looking dude.
1: So you like invoke this bouncer looking masculine. How do you invoke that? How do you, how would someone call that in if they've never called in energy?
0: Um, I think a huge part of it is like belief and knowing, and maybe I have belief and knowing because I've been doing so much spell work my whole life but I imagine that folks listening also have belief in knowing you know when your shit just hits when you're like oh yeah that was it or like oh yeah nailed it like that kind of thing so I call in the energy of nailed it first you know where I'm like oh I I can nail things you know and then I'll usually call in the bouncer guy when I'm like oh I'm in a dark alley right now and I I don't want to be And if anybody sees me right now, they're going to see this six foot motherfucker with big muscles and just like kind of an unfriendly face. Um, And that's what they're going to, they're just not, they don't see me. Nobody sees me right now, you know? And I think it links in with trauma. If you have trauma, you know how to collapse your energy. You know how to go different places. You know how to be different things. Like we all have, even if we don't have that, In our recent memory, we have that in past memories or epigenetically, we have that in ancestral memories. Um, The bouncer guy doesn't come in too often, but a bear will. I've been talking to a bear lately and sometimes I just imagine that there's a bear around me or with me. So I think with all of these things, like you talk about your guides, I don't have a real big practice with my guides, but I always hear people talk about their guides and I'm like, I wanna have guides. I feel naturally guided a lot of time but I don't spend enough time like being like, what's up guides. So I think with any energy we're trying to relate to, we just, you just spend time with it. You know, you just kind of talk about it, think about it, draw about it, dream about it, look for connections, look for numbers. Like
1: Everything you just described though, sounds like guides to me. Mm. The bees and the bears can be your guides that, that masculine energy you're invoking, to me, that is your guide. You're talking about Oshun and calling in Oshun. She is a guide, you know? The deities are guides. I think it's tricky when we when we have podcasts and stuff because in a way it sounds so grandiose on the microphone. But I don't think what I'm doing is very different from what you're doing. And in a sense, you're going way further into the work than me by, like, literally invoking them in your body.
0: Does that Mm. make sense?
1: Yeah. Thank you. Um, Yeah. The thing I hear over and over and over in readings is, I don't have guides the way you do. And I'm like, well, let's talk about that more. Maybe you don't, but I think oftentimes... The synchronicities are our guides or the energies we're calling in. You know, sometimes yeah. people who don't feel like they hear their guides are really busy or really consumed with life. There has to be moments of silence to hear anything.
0: Mm. Word, word. What are your least
1: favorite and favorite positions?
0: Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <Or> um, <movements? laughs> This is a 69 hate, <laughs> hate speech <laughs> podcast. No, I think 69, I haven't been able to, to find my piece inside of 69 <laughs> because I'm usually the one on top. I'm like, I'm in a plank, bro. Like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not orgasming here. <laughs> like this is a lot. <laughs> I do not like 69
1: either. It's okay. like, I don't want to be, I'm, I don't, I don't, yeah.
0: I don't <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> <Mm-mm>. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. I'm curious. I can see it conceptually. It's fun. Maybe if you have like strong Gemini placements, you're about it. Like it's, it's <laughs> at the end of every single password I've ever had. So it's not completely without purpose, but <laughs> <laughs> 69, so if I'm fucking somebody with a penis, I can access my orgasm best um, in reverse cowgirl, actually, which I don't know if it's common. Um, but reverse cowgirl is like doggy style, except you're in control, you know? And I've, I've found that because I was chasing my orgasm for the longest in partnered sex, and I found that I access my orgasm best when I'm in control. Um, which just works for me personally and then I find because I do a lot of strap-on work in my work um, so like my strap in somebody's butthole that if there's a tensing or if you know they want it but it's it's hard you know it's kind of a feat in the beginning to get it in that if I let them ride me it helps a lot um it can help them kind of access the part of them that receives pleasure from it and, and relax their tempo. Resisting the urge to ask you what your favorite sexual positions are.
1: Oh, you don't have to resist the urge. Um, I love like, well, I love like liquid. That is like my favorite. That's not a, really a position, but it's just like, the intimacy of like liquid and water and the bodily juices. I love that because it does feel like our DNA. It feels like magic. I love aggressive sex. I love like the bounciness and the rhythmic energy of sex. And I also love like forceful sex where I'm like, push and this could be trauma but it doesn't feel like trauma in the moment but I love the energy of like pushing someone and them sort of like being aggressive with me and kind of like pushing back not like hurting me but but making it known that I'm wanted. I want to deeply be wanted and I want to um, be worshiped during sex.
0: Ooh.
1: And I am a firm believer that I deserve to receive sexually. So I'm in it to win it while receiving.
0: Yes. Those are such good answers. I'm like reverse cowgirl. <laughs> Those are such good answers. I don't. I don't, I don't know, know if I like reverse cowgirl though, because like
1: you had a way better butt than me. Um, so I think I would be insecure
0: about my butt. Well, you know what? I've actually never seen your butt, so I, I think you <laughs> it's might because it's not <laughs> there. <laughs> I think you might You'd be
1: lying, finding it. That. No, <laughs> no
0: i'm not lying send me nudes one time let's
1: see <laughs> i'll be very disappointed sometimes i feel like an imposter because i have horror pod, but i'm not very sexually active right now because i'm working through some of my own sexual trauma
0: currently still like I know that every time sexual trauma comes up for me immediately after before I can even finish the sentence about sexual trauma is the like bitch you're not over this shit yet. <laughs> and just like deep like what the fuck you know like what the fuck um and so I'm just seeing that that thing that I do in what you just said too and just like noticing it as a phenomenon also you're not an imposter because whores are some of the most sexually traumatized people I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, <laughs> it's true. So it's, it's on brand. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I, there's this
1: sense of when I would hook up with people in my 20s and I would feel so robbed afterwards. <sighs> I would fucking hate hooking up with people in my 20s. And I would feel like taken from Mm -hmm. and like used, even though I was totally consenting. Well, you know, some of that was blurry lines for sure. Mm -hmm. But even the times where I was clearly consenting, I would feel so gruesome the next day. And so empty and so taken from. And I remember this feeling that like, fuck, if he would have just left a couple hundred dollars by my bed, I would be fine today. Because it wouldn't be just like I was taken from for nothing. That I let someone inside me for nothing. And that really gave me a deep respect for sex work because I'm like, So many of us are out here doing sex work for free. Mm
0: -hmm. And at least
1: sex workers have the ability to ask for an energy exchange.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. So much. Yeah. There's so much unquantified labor that goes into existing that. (laughs) (laughs) that it's powerful it's not complete liberation because it still involves like money and capital and then like these larger concepts of like attractiveness and power and privilege but it's something to be like you know what for an hour it's this yeah and like that's what it is um Yeah, and I'm resisting the urge because you told me that you don't like it to like affirm you and your beauty, but it's inside of me, just so you know. But I'm resisting the urge. And I'm just gonna say you're not you're not bad.
1: (laughs) Thank you. See, it really does feel better. But it's not as bad like coming from you because like I trust your truth, you know. Mm. I just hate the like fluff.
0: Yeah, I feel it. I feel it. And it's like it's also good for me to like allow people to be in the spaces they are without being like, no, you're this. Cause it, what I'm really trying to do is like put them inside of some kind of box of um, palatability. And it's yeah. like, it, there's a freedom to be like, I don't feel palatable right now. Even now, just like acknowledging cyclical natures of shit. Cause I'm a 37 year old sex worker in an industry that values youth and beauty. Um, Although everything that I was told about aging as a woman is a lie because like you never cease to peak. The peak is just an endless cycle. That's what I realized. That's the thing that they don't want you to know. (laughs) Um, So I'm realizing that, but I'm realizing also that like there's, there's value in leaning into the moments where I feel like a 187 year old bog hag because I'm, that's what I'm supposed to be in that moment grown. yeah I feel like I connect so much with the witch from Snow White who's like really really old and wrinkly but like sometimes can get all hot like hot enough to ruin <laughs> someone's day <laughs> and I'm like that's me like I don't need to be hot all the time I just need to be hot from like this hour to this hour <laughs> you know Or I need to be like palatable because fuck yeah. hotness but I need to like feel like I'm offering a palette for somebody and I do that with my lovers too or my lover I have one lover um I do that with my lover too where it's like I'm not going to be around you all the time like I'm gonna I'm going to ritualize when we connect you know um completely yeah and
1: I love your hotness I think you have such a cool hotness I do and you are fucking doing I hear what you're saying about aging you know and I think like I'm so hypocritical because I talk about how ugly I am but it's really the stories we tell ourselves right but we tell ourselves certain stories based on our trauma mm-hmm. and if you've ever listened to the ugly episode of HorrorPod, if you want to talk more about that um but Our trauma tells us to tell ourselves certain stories. And one of those stories is like aging or for me, it's ugliness, but bitch, I thought you were 21. I would have never guessed you were 37, but like, I love your hotness and I don't think it's bad to be sexy or to be hot or to flaunt it or I think it's one of the greatest gifts someone can have and it's Mm -hmm. so cool to see someone channeling it and I think Mm -hmm. you channel your attractiveness in a really fun way where it's like fun to almost be like yes this person is so Sexy and beautiful. It's like fun to admire you in that because you carry it
0: so well. Thank you. Why am I? Why are you allowed to compliment me and I'm not allowed to compliment you? That's not fair.
1: I said you can, but I I was like
0: talking about people in general. You know, like people are being fake about it. Yeah, I feel. I do think of beauty. I think of miraculousness when we talk about deities. I think about miraculousness as a force field and I think of beauty as a force field too. And I think there's yeah. like a, a true beauty, but also like I get Botox injected right here. You know, I want to not have lines on my forehead and that's like a personal 3D choice. Um, yeah, That like hotness, like external hotness is an illusion or like something that you devote time and money to, to like, you know. the external hotness which is different than internal beauty and I'm going to accept your compliment and say that I spend a lot of time talking to like internal beauty and cultivating internal beauty cultivating grace and generosity and like thinking even about the attributes like attributes of the pussy like being self-cleaning being cyclical being regenerative being able to expand and contract and like go through multiple multiple cycles like I feel like beauty like real beauty is a practice but I'm also not going to lie to you I get I get Botox (laughs) so
1: I mean yeah do you just work with one gender or do you work with all genders
0: I would say the people that come to me are um that I've had in my 14 years well I shouldn't say that in the strip club I would dance for all genders um I think a lot of my clients are like gender fluid that and like um, wanted to be trans or wanted to outwardly live as trans folks, but um, aren't. So they express it in session with me. Um, otherwise they're cis men is who I've had. I'm waiting, I'm waiting for, um, for like women to come to me um, or people who are trans women in both their outer lives and inner lives, to come to me, I'm waiting. Um
1: Yeah,
0: one thing I have thought
1: about before: I'm like, I wonder if this could be a thing, or if it would be cool if there was like a coven of witches who were tapped into their own sexual healing and their own sexual magic, where they like pleasured other femmes who mm-hmm. came from trauma, mm-hmm. like like as a healing ritual, had them orgasm or sucked on their boobs and like did it as like a group, you know, and like oh. had sex with them and used herbal magic and elixirs and tinctures and smoke medicine or microdosing. And I'm like, maybe, we, maybe that should
0: exist. I think it should exist for sure. Um, my friend who does body rub in New York talks about how when there's no clients, they'll work on each other and they'll do in deep internal pussy massage. And she's like, there's deep tissue, you know, she does body rub, but she, she's a massage. She does massage. She's been doing massage for like a decade. there's like deep tissue inside the pussy that wants to get touched in sexual and non-sexual ways. um, And I just thought that was so beautiful, so beautiful. Um, And I think there should be more of that because we all have like, I have, I have stuff I'm working out with my pussy. I had a prolapsed vagina after I gave birth, which is like, you know, you're a birth worker um, where you like push so much that you almost push it all out. And I've like healed a lot of it, but the shame that I felt around like maybe having a broken vagina or like a least less desirable vagina, was a lot, you know, it like really spun me into a tailspin. So we all need, we all need these things. But yeah. I think sex workers are like the think tanks of the sexual chakras in lots of ways. Um, unfortunately, they've mostly served like cishet men, but the the knowledge body that comes out of sex work is so brilliant because folks are literally doing it for survival, like they, it better be good because they need to pay their rent, you know? um there's like a bunch of geniuses fucking doing it i would like stuff that that serves non that serves like multitudes of genders that's as well resorts well researched and time tested and like meeting specific needs that comes up for those different genders
1: completely and I love the idea of it being like more than one person and using different healing modalities together Mm. and not doing it is like necessarily like oh we're into you or we think you're hot but like We're here to, like, awaken your sexual energy and bring healing to this sexual energy. And here's some herbs to support your nervous system. Here's some, like, massage. Here's some aftercare. Here's some nature. Let's do it under the fucking full moon. Like, this is all accessible. And I feel like we're waking up to the fact that this is accessible while the government is, like, Stay in your houses, be afraid, violence, gas prices, Right. but that shit is still accessible to us, even if they don't want us to know that. We can still do it. We can still come together, and it's going to be bigger than sex energy.
0: Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. I feel so honored and grateful that you want to have this conversation at all with me you're so wise and so cool um do you want people to find you thank you first of all thank you i appreciate like i'm beaming from ear to ear and like thanks for creating the space and like pulling it out of all of us and being like and you're magical and you're magical just like oprah you know (laughs) and you (laughs) sorry (laughs) Uh, um but yeah folks can find me i might delete my instagram but um for now folks can find me on my instagram um it's it's like long and complicated but it's mala m-a-l-a underscore y it's in spanish so it's like mala e um y underscore milagrosa um and I'll put
1: that in the comments in the okay. show notes. So check out the show notes if you're listening right now and you can click on her Instagram. Mm, thank you Any so o- much. <laughs> you're so welcome. Any other
0: ways people can support you? Um, I think that's it. Folks can reach out if they want to talk about sex work um, or if they want like a consultation, if they're curious about getting into it or if they just want to like, if they also feel like they want to do sex work with me, like if they want to talk about some some stuff that came up, or um, anything that comes up that they that they feel like they want to have a conversation about, I'm down. Um, like I said, I'm I'm. And to not... be clear, we're talking about legal phone sex. Yes, work legal right phone now. sex work. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. you can cut you can cut that out too. But if they want to just talk yeah. about shit that came up or like confessions. Um, I'm down to take confessions. Um, but yeah, folks just want to be connected. Um, that's where I'm at. Um, Amazing. Yeah.
1: Thank, Thank you, you so much for being here. Thank you guys for listening to Horror Pod. Please like, subscribe, rate, and review. And you can find me on Patreon, Patreon slash Lacey free. That's a great way to keep Horopod existing and to support Horopod. You can also find me on Instagram at Lacey is free. I'm currently not doing readings right now, but that could change at any moment. I love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Papa a Papa
0: gonna make myself come now. Oh, oh, I'm touching my pussy. Mm, Yeah.